Mm, for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay. All right. So um, we are recording this on Friday afternoon. We have a fantastic interview um, coming up tonight. We are going to be recording with Chris Watkins. Um, he is going to be our – this is interesting because there's a little bit of an asterisk here because um, I put in the in the tweet that he was our, our first returning guest Technically, Dan Saracini was our first returning guest. Um, he came by to do a, a quick chat with me about the Islanders uh, Belmont deal. Um, but Chris is like our first like full episode, you know, full interview segment guest. So um, it's going to be exciting to have him on again. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, so that's going to be interesting. That's coming up a little bit later. First, we are going to talk a little bit about the NHL awards. I know it's not like the biggest topic of conversation, but um, we we were interested in uh, kind of how the, the voting went this year. So we'll talk about that a little bit for the first segment. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about um, free agency, but specifically from the Red Wings uh, perspective, just because there probably isn't going to be another episode of WIM Radio out for maybe a couple weeks. Um, so for those of you who are listening, which is probably a lot of you who are Red Wings fans, we do want to touch a little bit on that. Uh, when we talk to Chris, we'll talk about NHL free agency in general. All right. So um, first of all, Jay, how you doing, bud? Well, I mean, let's be honest. We're all shaking off our what feels like years-long hangover from watching the Washington Capitals win the friggin' Stanley Cup. So I'm a little rough. Woke up in a field with no clothes. Uh, screamed, not again, and ran back home. Uh, yeah, things are pretty good. Um, I'm I'm really excited to say that this was the first NHL awards that I uh, was able to catch mostly in their entirety before I've either been uh, up north or uh, consumed with uh, other important things. Uh, so this was this was an interesting turnout. Um, I I seem to remember. I think the first time I tried to watch them. The, the ceremony was a lot bigger, and I noticed that this year the ceremony was rather small, so maybe they changed venues in Vegas this year to maybe like kind of bump up the, the intimacy of the event uh, instead of trying to make it into you know a, a VMAs or, or country music awards level uh, gathering. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of interesting. They, um, you know just from a technical standpoint, there was, uh, there was some nice things, but you know, from coming from a uh, milk toast league, some of the stuff kind of kind of fell a little flat. But you know, it was uh, it was enjoyable. But Pete, we're not here to talk about Catherine Tappan completely stepping on all all of everybody's lines when they're trying to invite kids up to read their own uh, nominee winners. We're here to talk about who actually took home the hardware. So let's talk first, Pete, about the most important trophy which was, this was a lot of debate of this one. Everybody was all, all up in arms. That's right. The Rocket Richard Trophy. Yes. No one knew before that night 
who was going <laughs> to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. The most closely guarded secret the NHL is still able to to keep from the world was finally revealed, and uh, that winner was in fact uh, now Stanley Cup winning captain Alexander Ovechkin. So. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? I know you were really excited to see who was going to win it because there was a lot of, you know, shrouded in secrecy. So now that we finally know, how, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think I think McDavid got robbed, and I think it's just because this team didn't make the playoffs. I mean, I think that's, that's I mean, for me, just come on. Like, who scores the most goals, whatever, playoff team, non-playoff team, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's not like this is like an award where you just like look at the stats. You know, you have to yeah. – you have to take a lot of the context in mind. And I mean, you know, he, he had Milan Lucic on his team, which is, which is enough of a drag, you know, Chris <laughs> Russell, you know, uh, I mean, come on. Um, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> now that we got that important thing, we got that out of the way. Yeah. We're yeah. going to, okay. So, so we're going to start with the, uh, the Norris trophy. Um, basically what we're going to do is like, we don't want to, we don't want to spend too much time on this. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk really quickly about who won, who are the runners up. Um, and then, because this year, uh, this is one thing we thought was was pretty interesting. This year, the Professional Hockey Writers Association um, revealed who voted for whom. So what we're going to do is um, for each award um, of the major awards, uh, Jay and I are going to look through the PHWA ballot and see which vote we thought was the most egregious. So we're going to start with first place. And if there's none in first place, we're going to go to second place. And I almost guarantee you we will find at least one uh, in first place or second place. Uh, and we're going to talk about that just for a little bit. All right. So first of all, we have the Norris. All right. So this is given to the defenseman who demonstrates throughout the season, the greatest all around ability in the position. All right. So the winner was Victor Hedman, which wasn't too much of a surprise. The finalists were Duke, uh, Drew Doughty, and P.K. Subban. All right, so Drew Doughty came in second. P.K. Subban came in third. Uh, we'll, we'll just round out the top five. We got Seth Jones in fourth, and we got John Carlson in fifth. Okay, so Jay, looking at the ballots, um, is there a name that strikes you as kind of weird in the first or second round? Well, um, I am – big shout-out to uh, Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic for getting John Klingberg – I think one of the <laughs> a first place vote. Um, that was pretty cool. I mean, if I was reading the tea leaves as it were um, and seeing that it was heavily going to Victor Hedman and my vote wasn't consequentially going to be that much of a difference maker. Granted, that is going to be the case anyway, because it's not like everybody's talking about who they're putting down. But um, that's probably the what, what I would have done. Been like, I think everybody's going to vote Hedman. So let's go with the coolest name because yeah. I, I think. I think John Klingberg is is a is a Hall of Fame hockey player <laughs> name, yeah, and and it's it's nice to see him among the first place. But I, I was, you know, I th- as I'm looking over the ballot right now, I'm pretty sure he only got like one vote for for first mm. place. So that, I mean, I can understand like a couple other people getting the first place ones because again, the 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 way like the order of uh, elimination after the first after the first place votes is is largely. The same five players, just they're all in different formats. So it's not like there's, you know, it's not like somebody throwing uh, Jonathan Erickson for a second place vote and everyone's like, sir, can I please have your P- PHWA card? <laughs> there, yeah. there are many, there are many deserving writers who would like to talk about this, but uh, yeah, Kling- Klingberg's mine. What, what about you? Well, um, yeah, I mean, 
I will I will agree. I, I do have my own, but I will agree um, with the caveat that I think that Klingberg is a lot better than he gets recognition for, which I know is not the criteria. I know that's not yeah. – I know you're not saying like he's not a good defenseman, but right. um, I just want to say that for a second. So um, for me, it's uh, – there's actually three people because I, I did a fine to, to make sure it wasn't just one. There are three people who voted for John Carlson as the best defenseman, and Carlson's good. He had a good year. He's a good defenseman. There's no world in which he is the best NHL defenseman. So I'm going to point the finger of shame <laughs> at Anson Carter from NBCSN. Uh, and by the way, this is this is not indicating anything that we feel animus towards these people. We are just reading who it was. Um, Pierre McGuire from NBCSN. I'm just going to let that go. Uh, and then the last one was Rob Perrins or, or Perrance, I'm not sure, uh, from the Delaware County Daily Times. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, okay, so let's move on to – now this one, I mean, to me this was a no-brainer. So I'm going to be really interested to see what the – uh, what the ballots look like on this one. Next is the Calder Memorial Trophy. And this is given to the player selected as the most proficient in his first year of competition in the NHL. And this one, not surprisingly, went to Matthew Barzal. He had more than a point a game, 85 points. Um, second place was Brock Besser, and third place was Clayton Keller. I think if Besser hadn't been injured uh, for part of the season, I think this could have been closer. Because uh, there's a lot of people saying Barzal Besser, Barzal, you know, about halfway point. But obviously, with uh, Brock Besser being injured, this one, uh, you know, became pretty much a, a pull away for Barzal, which is not surprising. So Kyle Connor and Charlie McAvoy uh, round out your top five. All right. So Jay, looking at the Calder, <laughs> it's funny. I'm looking at it right now. There's a lot. Like first place is a lot of Matt Barzal. Right? I want. I want. It's like you're looking at a at a. Uh, a regular bar graph and just the first row is just this most solid shade of Islander orange. There's, there's literally no, <laughs> there's nothing you like, uh, I, I mean, looking at the first place, I mean, you know, shout out to the one Yanni Gord uh, first place vote. And then uh, Clayton Keller had a couple in there. If I'm reading this correctly, actually, I think only Clayton Keller got one. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just wondering like, what these guys are hearing or reading when it's, it's so apparent who the number one is. And it's like, are you just voting to like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Is there, is this considered a unanimous first place given that there's only a couple or does it truly need to be everybody votes for Barzal for it to be considered a unanimous vote? I mean, I, I, this I is as close it, as you could possibly get. I think. I, I think it needs to be unanimous. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That first, I mean, it's looking at how Clinton Keller's ranked first once. Yanni Gord is there. Brock Besser got like I can understand Besser getting thrown in there too, but you know, like Gordon, Clayton Keller. I mean, just you know, is that just like a show of solidarity? Like, hey, these guys are good too. <laughs> <laughs> we we try to try to give everybody a chance. No, no, not at all. We're not going to give them that. So. All right, so is, is there anybody yeah. other than Yanni Gore that just jumps out at you as like a... Um, like- well, I mean, uh, since we don't really have to mess around with first place, I think second place offers a lot more to be um, interested in slash uh, perplexed by. Um, there's, uh, I thought I saw Debrinkat was in there, Debrinksycat, I think that's his, his Twitter handle. I, I thought that was... I thought that was a little high. I thought, like, yeah, he's having a good rookie season, but I don't know if he's, like, second place good. Yeah. But 
that that was a little interesting. Um, I uh, was uh, kind of interested. It's for going first overall to see uh, Nico Heshire just kind of you know not really get any love whatsoever for first place and then sort yeah, of some for he, second. You he know? got a couple for second place, and and, and it looks like yeah. it was a lot in. Uh, it looks like it was a lot in the um, the metro area because I saw like Andrew Gross yeah. from the New Jersey um, past and future for sure. Guess Allison Lucan from the Athletic uh, Columbus yep. had uh, heat here. Um, and so, I mean, like, honestly, this one, like, I don't think there's any, yeah. like, at the top two that are, like, ridiculous. Like, I don't think there's anybody yeah. where you're like, oh, my God, why are you voting for this person? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, th- I think the closest you're going to get in this one is going to be the Yanni Gord. The Yanni Gord yeah. one for uh, first place by <laughs> uh, Gan Mansuda from Frozen Royalty. So, yeah. So moving on, we have the Selkie Trophy. So this is given to the forward who best excels in the defensive aspects of the game. All right, so the winner is Andre Kopitar. Uh, the finalists are Patrice Bergeron and Sean Couturier. All right, and so the uh, basically Couturier came in second, uh, Bergeron came in third. Then we had Alexander Barkov and Miko Koivu. Okay, now the Selkie is always an interesting one because best defensive forward like how do you how do you determine that i mean obviously there are ways to determine that but i think it's it's definitely an interesting one um yeah. so let's take a quick look through and see if there's any that jump out at us where we're like okay why would you pick that person <laughs> yeah there's um i mean there i see the one Mika koiva one from from washinsky mm. um that one i would you know like, don't get me wrong Miko's good I mean, but you know like that's it Radix I'll tell you, I don't think that the Miku Koivu of first place is really that bad. Like, I think that's yeah. a pretty, I think you could definitely defend that. Like, I, like I'm not saying mm-hmm. I would vote for him in first place. Right. I think that's definitely a defensible one as opposed yeah. to some of these ones that we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Radek Fox is a very interesting one there. Yeah, yeah, the Fox one, because I hear just so very little. Um, there's, um, I mean, first of all, I, I don't have a, problem so much with the first place voting so much that going back to the actual presentation for a moment uh they revealed this award via magic trick i don't know if you saw this pete uh, no they- i um i it, just like mitch hedberg said one time uh, about anchovies i watched the nhl awards one time which is why i haven't watched the nhl awards two times <laughs> yeah so uh well first of all kudos to you uh hashtag willpower um so this trick they uh they they had a a magician in an all red suit come out uh, down one of the uh, the aisles in the audience, and uh, it was right near where the finalists were sitting. So uh, Kopitar and Bergeron and and Couturier were all like sitting right there, and uh, this guy's doing like his the the rundown like, hey, it's let's how do we? I could tell the NHL was like, how do we turn this the just the drollness of repeating stats that we've that we unfortunately, but not of necessity have to say like, Hey, this is how long they, this, this is how many years they've been nominated or this is their first nomination. Da, da, da. So how do we spice that up? So they had this guy come out and do a card trick for it. So he pulled out, you know, like headshots from a deck of cards. Like here, here is Anze Kopitar. He is in his, this is the fourth nomination for Kopitar. <laughs> and of course, like a four of, uh, you know, like a four of diamond shows up or something like that. Right. So he's, and, and, one of the re- the last reveal for uh, one of the players came from like his pocket square holder and, you know, like sleight of hand, neat stuff, you know, yeah, it's great. It pops right up and lays it down. Now the way they revealed it, it was clearly uh, he, he was, he didn't nail the, the execution, uh, you know, 
touching back to one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films, the the guy really biffed the prestige. <laughs> the because he was leading like the turn he was doing so great, but he he really he really face planted on the prestige because mm. it was this thing where he like combined a bunch of cards into a deck, and then like was just supposed to like drag the bottom of the deck in three columns to reveal who the winner was, and it was clearly out of order, which was really kind of funny because when it was revealed, it was like and it's uh, uh, I'd say Kopitar, and then I think the magician guy actually went to go shake Kopitar's hand, but like. It, it, it didn't. <laughs> Kopitar was like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> There's this guy doing card tricks. I, I'm just going to go pick this up. So that was pretty cool. Um, so uh, I, I I think that I actually am kind of glad that Kopitar took this one because it meant that I got to read an angry Colin Beeswick for, for a little while because Bergeron not winning put him on a particular tirade. Oh, he's, 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 been on a, he's been on a roll on Twitter. He's been – Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, you know, so, so Colin, I mean, he, he was obviously if you're if you're a long time listener, he's been he was a guest a couple couple episodes back. So so Colin, if you are listening, uh, it just just uh, if um, if we're talking about you know uh, the gladiator, are you not entertained? I was very entertained by your uh, your Twitter ranting. So let's just put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I look forward to once to once again speaking with you because while I agree that. Bergeron is a generational talent. You beat my team uh, a couple times in the playoffs, and uh, any despair you get put upon you will only bring joy to my face. So, yeah. oh, hold on, Jay. Oh boy! All right, we got some breaking news. No, it's not John Tavares. We have. <laughs> The Capitals have re-signed Michael Kepney to a four-year contract with a two point two, or sorry, two point five million AAV. So, five-second thought on the signing, Jay. Uh, very good for them. Uh, I will also say that they are doing a phenomenal job with their social uh, hashtagging because uh, with every re-sign that they have tweeted, you know, throughout the playoffs, they are hashtag all caps. Mm. But now, whenever the, now that they've re-signed people, they are using hashtag all hours. Which ah. is which is neat. That's that's a very neat thing. Uh, Kemp, I mean, they're they're, keep, they're trying to keep most of the band together, right? They got Carlson back, which was just like hilarious. Um, you know, I I think I was more relieved. I mean, I'm still disappointed in the term, but I'm still glad that they were they kept uh, Devontae Smith Pelly because that was um, you know he, he's he's really great, and I'm uh, all I want is for him to succeed in light of his recent very pivotal and important integral part to the Caps winning their first Stanley Cup ever. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good, good. I mean, good for them. I, I Again, from a Wings perspective, we're rebuilding. I, I didn't think we'd have a shot at any of these particular guys anyway. There's obviously systems in place to fill holes for us that don't include free agency. So good for him to get paid. <laughs> like We could almost say that about every time you do the breaking news thing. That was longer than five seconds. I okay, so um, so that was Jay's five seconds. So I, <laughs> I I can't talk for the next forty times that we announce a new signing. But anyway, um, my quick take is I think that's a good signing. Uh, I looked on Twitter and Michael Blake McCurdy from Ineffective Math had a great uh, visual, and he is a top four defender. So that seems to be a good contract for a top four defender. So I will say thumbs up, thumbs up, Caps. Nice job, because I do not think the John Carlson signing was a good one. Uh, it was not. We, we it will was probably, not. We'll, we'll probably talk. We'll probably give Chris a little bit of a chance to rant about that one if he wants to. All right. So moving on, we we're only going to do a couple more awards. 
Um, let's see. All right. Let's do two more. All right. So the first one is going to be the Vesna. The Vesna. Mm, All right. Yes. So the Vesna is the best goalie. And actually, wait, hold on. I'm looking at this. Never mind, because that's not on the list, is it? No, but it doesn't really matter because I think the only people that we cared about how they voted versus who won was you and I, right? Because we we were pretty dead set on 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 pretty much the winner of this one. We made cases for other people to win it, obviously. Yeah. But uh, who who the person who did end up winning, Mister uh, Pika Ryan? <laughs> ah, yeah. right. Yes, Pecorine of the Nashville and Predators. It's funny because for a second I felt bad, but then I was like, you know what? A lot of these awards are voted on different, you know, by different people. And there's, you know, I only have so much room in my brain. And, yeah. you know, if I need to keep in my brain who votes on the uh, the Vesna Trophy, I don't I don't really need that. I'm going to take a guess and say the general manager. So if I'm wrong, then I don't know. Send me hate mail, whatever. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, looking at the point breakdown on, uh, on NHL.com where it's actually providing some useful information, which is actually kind of a shock. I'm, oh surprised, you didn't, I'm surprised you didn't use our uh Trade alert sting to <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. NHL.com is useful. Um... <laughs> the league's website has some substance. Uh, they're breaking down the points for a second and third. So, uh, Pekka Rene finishing first uh, with 129 points, 22. Uh, first place uh, castings. This isn't bro- broken down. To, this says 22, 6, and 1. So I guess first place votes have a point breakdown as well. Um, so again, this is where the NHL.com website then completely loses all the credibility we just kind of gave to it. Yeah, it's, um, but, it's uh, uh, sorry, just because I have the other one up. It's 10 points for first place, then 7 points, okay. 5 points, 3 points, and 1 point. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Rene finished with a 22-6-1 to give him 129 points. I'm actually kind of really glad to read about this next part because Connor Hellbuck, uh, the guy who I thought was going to actually take the Jets all the way to winning the Stanley Cup, I'm still – I'm clearly not bitter, clearly. (laughs) Um, He finished with 82, and that was with uh, seven first-place votes, 14 second-place votes, and five third-place votes. Uh, So his point total is 82, and then it is a – steep drop off to third place oh, yeah. like yeah. very steep so andre vasilevsky finishing with six a points. whopping <laughs> well, well, six <laughs> points. yeah i was looking at the rock yeah, 21 just, points oh yeah oh just wow so i mean first of all i'm really glad that i am content with the result is basically what i'm saying sure, because yeah. as as much as we both knew that renee was going to win this one i i still held out some lofty hope because i thought hellbuck was just putting putting up just way better uh, performances than than Renee, but um, yeah, uh, I'm really glad that that one was a little bit closer than it needed to be. Uh, and then, you know, the 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 trickle down from there is just it's yeah, gosh, it's like nobody even cared. And I mean, like because <laughs> after you know, that, yeah, it, it, like interestingly, yeah. uh, Mark Andre Fleury, you know, got 11 points, and I think that if it, like this one especially, I think if they had included the playoffs, I think. Obviously, Flurry would have been way, way higher, and like I mean, he might have even been, uh, he might have even won it, you know, considering how important those games were. But yeah, um, I mean, you know, Rene definitely deserved it. But like you said, Hell uh, Book definitely, uh, definitely deserved second place. And um, yeah, so uh, let's yeah, see. We got. I'm glad. Yeah, good, good for the Vezina. Good, good. Play. It it ended up. It, I know it's cliche whenever we say it, but just like we drew it up. 
Yeah. That's exactly how it went. Okay, so the most controversial trophy was the Hart Memorial Trophy, given to the player judged to be the most valuable to his team. Uh, One of the reasons that this has been super controversial is because most people would say that Connor McDavid is probably the league's best player this last season. But his team didn't make the playoffs, and there there has been a lot of talk about does that matter? Does that mean that you cannot be, um, that you cannot be the league's best player, or not? I'm sorry, the league's most valuable player if your team does not make the playoffs. There's a lot of people that said that. There are some people that push back on that. So I thought this was definitely an interesting ballot to look at. So um, just reading down the top five, we have Taylor Hall, who is my vote. Um, he won Nathan McKinnon. Uh, came in second. I think Nathan McKinnon was a, a very, very strong choice. Um, and then Andre Kopitar, Claude Giroux, just uh, very, very uh, closely behind him, only five-point difference. Uh, and then Connor McDavid came in fifth. Um, all right, so Jay, taking a look at these ballots, is there anything here that jumps out for you? Because I know for me there's at least one just looking really quickly. And maybe just looking really quickly. Well, um I noticed Evgeny Malkin is in there. <laughs> yeah. That was, was going to be mine. So can I just take that for a second? Yeah. 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 I, that, I'm Again, we're allowed to pick the same thing. Yeah. We're educated hockey people. Because like, I mean, okay, here's the thing. I, I think Evgeny Malkin is a fantastic hockey player. I think one of the biggest, uh, biggest mistakes of the league's 100 best players of all time that happened recently was Evgeny Malkin being left off. I thought that was a travesty. I thought there was no way they could leave him off with some of the people that they put on. Um, But this past year, I really have no idea how you can make the case for Malkin as the most valuable player to his team. Um, But uh, three people made that for first place. We had Mark Defoy of Le Geno de Montreal. We have uh, Joe Haggerty. Um, who is famous on Twitter for basically having horrible Twitter opinions uh, from NBC Sports Boston. Uh, we, yeah, so <laughs> just in case in case anybody's wondering, we will never have Joe Haggerty on as a guest, nor would we want to. Um, uh, Pat Hickey from the Montreal Gazette. And that is it for first place. There, you know, there was some second place and, and so on and so forth. And again, not a bad player. He's a very, very good player. But I mean, come on. If you're going to put him first place this year, give me a break. Okay, so that's what we have to say about the NHL awards. Um, hopefully, you thought that you know the awards were at least a little bit interesting. Um, but now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, free agency, specifically in regards to the Red Wings. Um, a story that came out uh, recently, a few days ago, in the Athletic, when Craig Cousins was talking about um, different free agent uh, potential targets for the Red Wings. In about the middle of the article, he had this little little tiny detail that um, the team had some contingency plans in uh, in the case that Henrik Zetterberg would not be able to play this season, and that created a lot of alarm, I think, from uh, for for some fans, which which makes sense because obviously that's something that would be pretty terrible. Um, but if you if you really take a look at the context around it, it doesn't really seem like it's the type of thing where oh, you know, this is something that is is something to be worried about at this point. And I, I, I think that's the case. Um, but, you know, we've seen uh, some reports that the Red Wings are apparently kicking tires on Valtteri Filippola. Um, 
to replace Zetterberg, like not not obviously well one for one replacement, not like he's going to step in and do what Henrik Zetterberg did. Um, I don't think there's anybody out there that would be reasonable for the Red Wings to bring in that would do that. Um, but just, you know, to provide another center uh, spot on the team. I don't think that makes a lot of sense uh, to bring in Philpola. He is, I mean, I, I don't really see what he offers the team. Um, so, yeah, so so hopefully that's not going to happen. So hopefully with Zetterberg maybe being healthy, we don't have to entertain more of the Philpola thought, but you know, obviously uh, there's going to be decisions that Holland makes uh, depending upon uh, Hank's health. But uh, I, I certainly think they're in a good spot. Um, I think whatever decision is made, I, again, wouldn't want to go the Phil Plitt route because as with every decision that's been made in the last couple of years, you're putting a so-called veteran or free agency piece to uh, basically take a spot away from somebody who's trying to to prove their worth to the organization. So, um, hopefully that doesn't, uh, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, so obviously Mike, uh, there's uh, the Mike green front, um, at this recording, it is a, uh, uh, reportedly close to a two year deal, right? Peter, uh, for, for Mr. Mike green. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with two years. I think he's, you know, he's obviously better than, than Erickson, in my opinion. I still think he's a good playmaker and all that. You wish there was more offense, but then again, who doesn't? Um, so what do you what do you think? Are you okay with, with Green coming back for, for that short, or are you not okay with him coming back at all? Yeah, um, Mike Green, I mean, there's there's been, you know, this has pretty much been, there's been a lot of rumors about this uh, for a while now. Um, when you're listening to this, by the time you listen to this, it, it, it's appearing very likely that he – is going is going to sign a deal with the Red Wings for two years. Um, I think probably by the time you listen to this, like it, it'll probably already be done uh, because obviously the Red Wings don't have to wait until uh, noon on July first to announce that or you know to sign that deal officially because he is currently their player. Um, I I really don't want to bring Mike Green back, especially at what it's going to end up costing us uh, in terms of the cap hit because. Um, I've been working on an article that uses the goals above replacement model um, from that Manny over at Corsica does. And, you know, basically the, 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 the idea is that it, it measures how many goals a player contributes to a team above a replacement level player who uh, Manny uh, identifies for his, for his model as a, a player making the league minimum, right? So you're kind of, you know, your fringe NHL AHL type player. And last year, Mike Green, uh, his goals above replacement was negative 1.8. So what that means is that he actually brought less value. He brought less value to the team uh, than a replacement level player would. And, you know, when you're paying somebody $6 million a year to do that, that's not really, that's not really optimal. So I, I don't think that bringing him back is a good idea. However, at this point, it seems to be that's going to happen. And nothing I really do is, you know, nothing I say about it is going to change that. Okay. So no green. I'm, <laughs> I, I can, I can, I can, you laid the argument out perfectly and I'm totally yeah. on board yeah. with there being um, Pretty uh, much. Uh, yeah. someone else eating up that spot. Um, okay. Yeah. So then, and then another uh, free agent target potentially for the Red Wings is to fill the spot of obviously recently departed Peter Morazic and uh, Jared Coro. 
which means uh, they need a backup goaltender slash a number one who will become the number one because Jimmy Howard's propensity to get injured is higher than we would all like. So a name that was uh, bandied about, which I'm actually kind of interested in, is Mr. Robin Leonard. That's right. Uh, He was a uh, Buffalo starter. And uh, you know what they say, Pete, change of scenery. And um, I, I kind of really hope this happens. I, uh, after, you know, watching Jimmy come up through the ranks and, you know, to back up uh, Osgood and then Osgood left. And then, you know, we're, it's the Jimmy Mrazek show for, for a while. And there was sparks of maybe it becoming Mrazek and then it fell completely apart. Hmm. Um, it's uh, it, it would be nice and refreshing to just have another established goalie, regardless of record. I mean, it's not like we're trading for, you know, uh, the, the, Blackhawks uh, accountant guy that that was called in to play emergency goal at the last second and stood on his head for seven saves. You know, I, I, we would be getting a, a, a guy who's been around. So um, I I think it'd be cool. Uh, what do you think? Okay, yeah. So Robin Leonard, I think, is a is a very interesting player uh, for the Red Wings to bring in as a backup goalie. I think that if you are looking to win now if you're looking for the best option right now I do think that Carter Hutton would have been the best option however I don't think I know I know it said that the Red Wings were pursuing him um although it it does kind of seem like the Red Wings are linked to pretty much every free agent out there uh but it did say that the Red Wings were pursuing Carter Hutton which I think obviously they they have to do that they have to look at it because he's he's the best option available in in that kind of space where you have you're bringing somebody in to you know probably start as a backup but then uh, maybe be the type of person who can take over as a starter. Um, but Robin Lehner is, he, he's not a, you know, he's not a, a fantastic goalie, but he's definitely a, a solid NHL goalie, which is kind of what you're looking for in that spot, at least for right now. Um, on that same, uh, that same model I was talking about before, the goals above replacement model, um, last season he was, uh, he was positive. He was like about a 0.5, which is, you know, obviously not great, but it was, it was better than, you know, just a, a replacement level player. Um, but the year before, he was, he was good. He was about seven and a half goals above replacement. Uh, Jimmy Howard that same season was about five and a half, I think. So about, I remember it being about a two goal difference. Uh, with Laner being uh, above Howard and, and, you know, above being good in this case. So I think it makes sense. I mean, as long as they don't sign some ridiculous, you know, six, seven year deal, uh, if they keep it to two or three years and they keep the AAV reasonable, I think that that's probably the best option available for them out there. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree. I think there's, uh, I think there's something to be said for how he can, and again, there's the uh, uh, Dan Bilesma connection who, uh, uh, recently was that's that's another big acquisition um the uh the Bilesma joining the Detroit Red Wings staff um especially, especially since uh, uh Cousins's great article profiling him and his uh interactions with uh, head coach Chip Lashell when they were at the World Juniors so um yeah I think uh, there's a tremendous upside here to to bring in a, a guy who wants to feel uh wanted belonged and uh, a part of the group, part of the ship, part of the crew, as they say. Um, Pete, is there any last free agent thing that you think? What's what's your wild card? Is there, is there, and, and it can't be Tavares because that's obviously the one everybody would pick. But like, 
Is there a, a, a position or a player that you were thinking about that like, gosh, you know, that'd be really nice if we could get him? Yeah, this is a tough question because I don't really think that there are a lot of good options out there at free agency that I want the Red Wings to be targeting. You always, you almost always overpay when you go into, especially, you know, especially with these unrestricted free agents that you're, you're bringing in from other teams, you almost always overpay either in term or uh, cap hit or both. And, you know, the Red Wings right now are not in the position to, to do something like that. They're not in the position to, you know, be one of the, the, the teams that's trying to go get John Tavares, who's the exceptional player who would make the team much, much better. But the Red Wings aren't really in the position to do that. Um, and with all the other available options, there's nobody out there that really kind of fits for me. I would, if there were more defensemen available, um, and rather than bring back Mike Green, I'd probably want to take a go at somebody like Calvin DeHaan. Um, but the problem is that DeHaan is, uh, he's, he, he's almost definitely going to get more money and more turn than he's worth just because the, um, the, the pickings are so slim for the, uh, the free agent defenseman this year. And so he's going to get way overpaid. There's no reason for the Red Wings to be the team that does that. But I guess the thing that I would I, – I, I've been saying this for a while. I want to rescue Josh Hosang. Um, I, I think that there's there's definitely going to be a, an opportunity for some team to do it. Uh, I don't think the price would be very high. Uh, especially with somebody like Lou Lamorello coming in. I think that means that Hosang's days are numbered at, uh, on Long Island, even if they weren't before. I think it's almost definite now. And so I would I would really like to bring in somebody like him. At the same time, I, I don't really see that happening. Um, I just, I, I don't see the team going that way, especially with the, you know, some of the young players we have coming in. Um, I think maybe if we didn't have some of these uh contracts on the books and then maybe that could be something where where we could you know look for value there so i i don't really anticipate the wings doing anything other than signing uh it seems like leonard is, is going to be their backup um i'm almost positive they're going to sign mike green and then it, it sounds like they're if they're going to bring it forward it sounds like it's going to be thomas vanek and i i'm okay with that as long as there's not players who are now in grand rapids who should be in the NHL. And what I mean by that is they come into camp and they make it very clear they should be in the NHL and it's that there's not enough spots for them. Uh, at that point, then I would be upset. But until that happens, I'm not going to really, you know, be too upset about it. Um, that's, that's, I think that's it for now, Pete. I mean, obviously, you know, at the time of this recording, things could change. Things could be a lot different, but uh, you know, we're, we're pretty excited to have uh, this be a situation where we're, um, able to talk a lot about before the free agency. And then when something happens, we'll be right back at it, bringing you all the stuff we want. So uh, uh, next up, we have a fan freaking tastic interview with Mr. Chris Watkins, AKA Yolo Pinato. So uh, don't go anywhere. Stay. Okay. So our guest again is Chris Watkins. This is, um, we were talking about this before. This is the second full episode guest. Like before we had Dan Saracini come on for about 10 minutes to talk about Belmont. But Chris is our first, um, second, like full interview segment guest. Um, so Chris, we are on the eve almost, I guess. So we're, we're coming close to it. Like when this podcast comes out, it's going to be the eve of um, free agent frenzy. So how are you feeling right now? Uh, it is 
the beginning of the silly season. Um, luckily, the the Blackhawks are, are capped out for the most part and uh, can't really shoot themselves in the foot much more than they already have. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. But uh, this is usually my opportunity to yell at GMs and uh, player agents for simultaneously being the most idiotic group of individuals on the planet. So uh, very for fun times. <laughs> Oh my God! Hold on, hold on, just a second. Wow. Hold on. Okay. Every time hold on. it just hold catches on. you right off guard. <laughs> hold on a second. Speaking of idiotic, um, we are getting some breaking news now as we're recording this of the Drew Doughty extension, and supposedly we are looking at eight years slash comma x eleven million dollars. I have a lot of things to say here, but I am going to defer to my guest. So, Chris, <laughs> Kings, $11 million times eight years for Drew Doughty. What are we thinking here? Yeah. Um, yeah, so lots of thoughts. Uh, so, <laughs> so first off, uh, you know, Drew Doughty's a hell of a player. Uh, very good. Uh, you know, perennial, he should get another Norris Trophy candidate for some mm. unknown reason. Uh, he's not worth $11 million a year right now, uh, uh, let alone when his extension kicks in next year. Um, and then definitely not for the eight, next eight years after that. So I, uh, upon hearing about said extension, I sort of looked at uh, comparable <laughs> stats. And I said, John Klingberg, uh, you know, the star defenseman sure. for the Dallas Stars, who was, uh, uh, I think, two or three years younger um, over the past four years, has had 13 more points. Of a better course for a relative and has had more uh, difficult zone deployment than Drew Doughty had. He's, uh, his cap hit is $4.25 million, uh, through 2022, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be different if we're, talking to, if we're talking about a team that just went on a long run in the playoffs, like John Carlson signed for, what, eight years, uh, $8 million a year. Um, you know, that's a slightly different scenario. Obviously, Drew Doughty has more of a track record. Um, but we're still talking about a team that got blown out in the playoffs by um, one of the greatest expansion teams in the history of organized sports, <laughs> but still an expansion team uh, that's not getting any younger and is locked into Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, Anze Kopitar for over uh, ten million dollars a year, and now Drew Doughty into his like age thirty four season. So great job on the part of uh, Rob Blake and, and, and the LA Kings. Jay, um, what are you thinking about this? I'm thinking about the tweet from Dmitry Filipovich that was tweeted just uh, over 40 minutes ago saying that the Kings now have roughly $54 million for in, in 2021 tied up in 38-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk, 36-year-old Dustin Brown, 36-year-old Jeff Carter, 36-year-old Dion Phaneuf, 35-year-old Jonathan Quick, 33-year-old Anze Kovatar, 33-year-old Alec Martinez, and 31-year-old Drew Doughty. Um, yeah, that's uh, that, uh, that uh, cap hit for... Uh, for for Doughty, I mean, it. it I, I think the only thing we can relate to uh, here, Pete, is that's that's some just an advocator money right there. You know, just if yeah. any time you have like past thirty five year guarantees, you know, anytime you can tie up a, a guy, you know, well into his thirties, you you just do it. You just really do that. They say life begins at thirty, right? So they're they're really on on track to do some really. Whelming things, whelming things. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, this contract is definitely whelming. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, here's what I'm going to say about this contract is it makes me feel better to be a Red Wings fan. 
um, because it probably jumps ahead of most, if not all of our bad contracts. So it's like, like if you're looking at the Red Wings and you're saying like, oh my God, I can't believe that they did this contract. Like it pushes us down a little bit. Yeah. Maybe not a lot, but a little bit. Um, we, got, we got some spots back. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely agree to that. I mean, Hey, yeah. we're, you know, we still, you know, Franzen, the, the Franzen front loaded and the Zetterberg front loaded are still currently on the books. And those are kind of, yeesh. And then, <laughs> you know, I mean, are we, are we clean from Weiss? Is that, is that something nope. that we're, nope. at least nope, we're, okay. All right, well, <laughs> yeah. well, like, well, like you said, we're, we got pushed down, but not much. So exactly. we still got some work to do to, to get into some, some good graces. Um, yeah. So, um, so Chris, quick, quick uh, sidebar, i Sorry, uh, I wanted to uh, call out. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, tweet that Chris uh, so lovingly bestowed upon us. That if perchance the Red Wings did draft Akil Thomas, which they did not, <laughs> which I guess is a relief for yes. Chris because in his tweet he said that if oh, he yeah, did do that, that, he would have in fact had to have been nice to us. So um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really sorry that didn't work out because I. You know, again, you uh, from from what Pete and I have experienced, you have just been horrible to us so far. So, you know, I, I just, you know, um, I guess it's like uh, it's like the groundhog. This is four four more years of of Chris. Yeah, you missed a wonderful us, opportunity so. to, uh, to get in my good graces. So, uh, shame on you, Ken Holland. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, uh, from what yeah. I hear, the the Red Wings did pretty darn well in the draft, uh, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, um, I'm really glad I get to tell this story because. I uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to write something up for the Weem site, but uh, I was in the tippity top uh, part of the Lower Peninsula. That's right, uh, Mackinac City, and uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to watch the first round anywhere. So I was like, kind of looking around, like, ah, do I watch this on my phone? What do I do? Because there's a delay. And then it turns out my uh, hotel room actually did have a decent sports package by having every ESPN and NBC Sports, and. Uh, this is one of those days ins where they like built overnight, you know, not not a giant sprawling uh, complex of hotel rooms, just basically a really, 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 really fancy motel. And uh, they uh, got to pick number three and Zadina didn't go. And it's automatically I'm in that Vince McMahon gif where he's like, huh? OK, and then the next pick happens and then he's like, go on. And then and then once uh, they uh once the Arizona Coyotes didn't take him, it was basically cut right to the end of that gif where like you fall back and <laughs> I leaned over to my fiance and I was like, they're going to, they're going to screw this up. They're, they're totally going to do it. And then welcome to our Slack. That was <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, that was the whim Slack. We were like, Oh my, it was me, Kyle, JJ, um, Jeff. I think Prashanth. And we're like, they're going to mess this up. They're going to mess this up. Gonna mess- oh my God. Yeah, they're gonna mess then- up. Oh my God. Yeah, I I shouted uh, I shouted boom at like <laughs> and, and like with one of those like Hall of Fame Kirk Gibson fist pumps in the hotel room and like as loud as I possibly could. I really yeah. did not care. And then it happened, and then my wife is yeah. uh, my soon to be wife is staring at me, going like, hmm. "You're you're gonna get us kicked out." <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna get, and I'm like, "Bring it on!" This is the I. Yeah. It's like it's like that scene in National Treasure where uh, Riley finally has a good clue to contribute, and he's like, "Oh wait, just let me breathe this in for a second. Is this what you guys feel like all the time?" Like, so I'm like looking at everybody who had a great pick yeah. in the last like seven years, <clears throat> Edmonton, <clears throat> and uh, I'm like, "Wow, this is like 
I want to go outside and like, mm -hmm. I feel like building a house right now. Like there's so much energy. So yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. We, we did. So in other words, Chris, yes, we did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, so far, there's been a few trades. There's been a few trades. There's been a few signings. Yeah. Um, what have you seen so far that you're like, that is good and that is bad? I know, I know that's a simple question, but. Uh, ooh, shoot. I'm trying to think what has even happened. So the OEL. Yeah. So the OEL extension. Sure. Uh, yeah. What was it? Like eight years, eight million, uh, eight million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. um, that was stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, so what I, I guess what I'm surprised I haven't seen, um, uh, and this is something that, uh, you'll see in the NBA. So in the NBA, you know, LeBron actually today just said that he's not, uh, signing his, uh, uh, player option to come back to the Cavaliers. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean necessarily that he's not going back, but that just means he's a unrestricted free agent. Uh, uh, and, uh, so a lot of teams that move uh, cap space and made trades uh, to sort of clear out. You know, people so they have a chance at LeBron. Um, there's none of that happening in the NHL, uh, and to me, like that's the obviously surprising piece. So, so some teams have done it, but you know, think of a team like, for example, uh, uh, Tampa Bay just signed JT Miller to uh, you know five year extension, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. I mean, JT Miller, it, it, to me, it was actually a fair price for him. So GM buy had JT Miller at uh, six million dollars a year, so it's about you know uh, pretty good value for the player itself. Mm -hmm. However, when you think about team voting, it's like, okay, do you want J.C. Muller or Shada Johnson It's Like, which one is going to sure. move the needle more? So it's like thinking about moves like that, which like, I, I think the biggest problem I generally have with NHL GMs is I have no idea what direction they're going in 90% of the time. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so a perfect example would be uh, uh, the Rangers last year, who uh, I think in uh, February declared that, hey, we're in the middle of a rebuild and we're going to trade off these assets and try to get some uh, solid returns for them, which they actually did. Uh, but uh, they did that uh, in February when they could have tanked for the number okay. one pick, uh, had they made that the plan in March. Uh, all right, sorry, in, uh, in September. I'm um, sure. same thing with the Ottawa Ottawa Senators last year. Yeah, we went to the conference finals. We're going to trade for Matthew Shane and give up a, uh, a unprotected first-round pick in the, in the next few years. And so now they're coming down to the, to the draft and trying to decide, well, do we go out the number four pick this year I'm gonna possibly uh, possibly pass up Jack Hughes next year, um, yeah. or for a, a team that's a, a you know complete um, poop storm mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and has no direction to go. So I think just overall, like I'm always surprised by like the sort of short sightedness of a lot of uh, uh, of a lot of regimes. Um, as far as extensions, I really liked uh, Michael Kempton was a player for the Blackhawks that I thought didn't really get a fair shake. Um, I like that they brought him back. Um, on the other side, John Carlson's extension. I'm not a big fan of, but, you know, when a guy puts up a point per game in the playoffs, uh, that's, uh, you know, obviously not ideal um, to sort of let him go. Um, Pittsburgh traded uh, uh, Kanashiri and Matt Hunwick uh, to to uh, Buffalo, uh, apparently for the privilege to sign Jack Johnson's uh, five-year contracts. Woof, 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 woof. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> when I looked at it through the trade machine, so I originally just did – uh, kind of Sherry in that homework for the cap space. And it was still like not a great return for the Penguins. They basically traded twice as much as on ice value as they were getting back in the value of the cap space. If you're mm -hmm. wasting that cap space on Jack Johnson, that's even a worse return. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think the trade grade I gave them was a B minus just because, you know, they were taking that approach. I just said, clearing out cap space to get a premium free agent. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. Jack Johnson does not qualify um, in that category. Uh, so that was, that was probably the one that was most concerning to me. 
Um, other than that, there hasn't been really too much since the. Uh, oh, let me let me take that back. The Dougie Hamilton trade. Um, <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So my thoughts on the Dougie Hamilton trade. Uh, I've probably been the biggest Dougie Hamilton fan uh, over the past four years. He is my number one go-to trade asset um, in NHL 18. Uh, every single iteration <laughs> of my franchise. Uh, he is six five uh, with like a ninety four skating uh, uh, variable. Um, he's a hell of a player. With that being said, uh, I don't disagree with the uh, with the assessment that uh, uh, Calgary got fleeced in the trade. Um, I do think that um, while I love Dougie Hamilton, I do think getting two very strong players uh, for the cost of one is a pretty decent return. Now, Michael mm-hmm. Furland and uh, Adam Fox, you know, we can debate about the the value of those two guys. Um, but I think uh, so. I think the biggest issue with the with the Calgary side of the trade is not that they traded Dougie Hamilton. Uh, the return was decent enough. Uh, the problem was the reasons why they traded him. If it was a locker room issue um, for reasons that, you know, many people could uh, allude to, um, given that Slava Voinov is uh, apparently uh, in the crosshairs of several NHL teams, uh, <laughs> given that given that Evander Kane just signed a, a seven-year contract extension, uh, given that Drew Doughty has, you know, some unsavory uh, aspects of his past that, you know, sort of got brought into light. Of the fact that this guy was traded for apparently wanted to go to museums and and read books instead of you know getting drunk with the guys uh, at eleven thirty at night, uh, that that sort of doesn't bring like a, a great way to build a hockey organization to me. But I'm not an NHL GM, so yeah, that's my take on uh, on, on transactions so far uh, this offseason. I'm going to talk about something and. I'm going to hit on something that you just talked about in like kind of a different way, but we're going to go, we're going to talk about it. So basically you and me, uh, meaning Chris and Peter, um, we have something in common. The thing that I'm talking about that we have in common is like, we both written for the athletic, um, but not working for the athletic. Um, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, um, you know, I wrote an article about the, um, the Red Wings adherence to the hockey is for everyone month and how I felt that like the idea was really good, but I wasn't really sure that it was being implemented in the best yeah. way. And you wrote an article more recently um, about your experiences as a person of color in hockey and hockey analytics and hockey analysis. And just, I mean, just hockey in general, the question I have for you <sighs> I don't even know how to ask this. I, I guess it's just like... Go ahead, man. Just get out the way. Rip the band-aid off. No, it's just like... You know, because I mean, like... Yeah. Like, how do you feel about the sport in general? I I, I guess, like, let me start there, and I'll, I'll let you run with it, like, however, however you want to. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, when I when I think about hockey, um, in particular, you know, it's a sport that I, uh, you know, I've grown to... I, I've sort of had a force feed uh, to myself, uh, to sort of... Uh, you know, make it a, a daily part of my life. And now the fact that I, you know, quote 20 t- uh, tweets a day about it uh, is concerning to me uh, at, at the very least. <laughs> um, I think the sport of hockey, you know, I, I will say, so I'll say a couple of things. So, for example, uh, Gary Batman was just uh, elected to the Hall of Fame. and we So, so, so deserving. We can about that. So deserving. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I was quoting, uh, uh, or I said something on Twitter uh, the other day, I think yesterday, talking about uh, 
um, John Tavares just signed for the Max. <laughs> uh, uh, because he, yeah. it, uh, you know, I've seen all these articles. He's the best free agent ever to hit NHL free agency, which says more about NHL free agency than it does about John Tavares. Um, and people are like, oh, no, Conor McDavid signed for $12.5 million. And I'm like, yes. So let's look at that. So for the Max contract in the NHL and NFL, I think it's one of the quarterbacks, probably like Aaron Rodgers or somebody, over $30 million a year. Uh, for the Major League Baseball, I think Mike Stanton signed for a 10-year, $325 million contract. Um, so I think he's the max uh, cap player, uh, salary player there. In the NBA, I think LeBron just opted out of a $35.6 million contract. Um, yeah. So the fact that we're talking yeah. about – like, I, I want to say the max contract uh, when when it was $12.5 million in the NBA was probably 1992. Um, uh, I think Michael Jordan said his last year signed for 30, uh, you know, $30 million one year contract with the Bulls. Uh, so just the fact that that shows you, um, you know, obviously salaries are tied to revenues and the fact that revenues are so much lower in the NHL in comparison to other sports shows me like there's a large missed opportunity. You know, I work in, uh, I have an MBA, uh, if I if I see my competitors in the space are making twice as much money as I am, I'm looking at the CEO and the boss, and I'm starting to invest a riot to get that guy the hell up out of there. Um, and to me, the biggest difference is when when you look at how those how those sports approach sort of minority players and minority uh, fans, you know, women, people of color, all of that stuff um, is a significant difference. And so, you know, I, I think the NHL has not only been uh, it is wasting a golden opportunity to grow one of the most exciting sports out there. Um, but it is losing ground to sports like soccer, uh, you know, sports like basketball, you know, that's extending its lead over the NHL. Um, MLB still has a significant lead over it. Uh, it's never going to catch the NFL. Uh, I just think it's a, a, an egregious missed opportunity to really grow the sport. Um, I think it's a really it's a sport with dynamic stars, dynamic players, and dynamic personalities, and none of those are ever on display in any capacity. And so, um, I, oh, I think yeah. I think to be honest, I can't I can't really give an honest assessment of the NHL as a league um, until Gary Bettman's out of office. That's that's my take on it. Like he's just in my mind yeah. the the picture of incompetence. Um, and you know the the uh, 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 analogy I'll make to it is if someone gives you ten dollars. In the hand, in an NHL owner's like, yes, I'll take that. And it's like, yeah, I have like two thousand dollars in my other hand. Why don't you just take this instead? Like, no, I'm cool with the ten dollars. That's ten dollars more than I had before. So it's just like, it's really hard to assess how good the game is, especially to growing and expanding its outreach, expanding its thought process, expanding its demographics until you see someone who actually knows how to grow the game properly, um, sort of in the commissioner's seat. Um, that's really sort of my take on it. But yeah, that. Uh, it, it, it's in its nascent stages and, and I, I can see someone with like an Adam Silver's temperament um, who just extended, uh, got a contract extension for the NBA, someone running the NHL and taking it to the next level should it, will break down those barriers that exist. Um, but that person, it does not exist yet as I know of uh, in an NHL executive position. So uh, yeah, that's my like 17 minute spiel on that. Uh, Chris, I just did the numbers real quick because you mentioned about his Michael Jordan's last season uh, giving the 30, mil- 30 million. Um, <laughs> so uh, the the GOAT or the GOAT, as he's commonly referred to, uh, was <laughs> if we're talking about w- without any taxes, without any removal, that means for over an 82 game 
season, Jordan was making $365,853 and change per <laughs> game. And um, I think that's uh, really cool. <laughs> uh, and I think at this point, yes, every player should be doing their uh, best to, um, you know, maximize their, uh, what's the word here, value? Oh, or, uh, or, or as the kids say, get that money. Why not? Get, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'll do that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, Bedman for for real quick because it was um, kind of annoying to um, see that you know they're like oh everybody's coming out fawning over and uh, I think uh, Lozo's article uh, about it is I mean I keep saying over and over again the Pulitzer's locked up the Pulitzer's locked up and they just <laughs> someone always comes out with a better article that just uh, usurps the one before it so. Um, but so the, the, the Batman stuff is really, you know, kind of, um, like you said, it's the most inept thing that you could possibly think of. And, and in terms of growing the game, it's, it's further, it's, it's basically hacking at the roots of the game and saying that that's, what's going to make the tree grow more like, Oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta take stuff away. We gotta, it, it just doesn't make sense. So from your perspective, I mean, what, as you said, I mean, obviously, asking Mr. Gary to um, step aside, step down, go away forever, fall into a black hole, yada, yada, yada. Um, in, in your opinion, what would be – is there an instant thing you think the league can do that's readily within there? Is there one thing or or even a couple of things in your mind that you think would go really far in the short term to ch- try and jumpstart this? Or are we looking at, sadly, like a <laughs> – I'm just waiting for the league to go into its rebuild years, right? It's been going strong, but now it's getting kind of old. It, you know, it needs to bring in some young blood and, you know, maybe miss the playoffs for a few <laughs> years. You know, maybe just – maybe we need another Spanish flu epidemic that happened after the Seattle Metropolitans won the, right. the cup to uh, to abolish another season <laughs> instead of, you know, a completely avoidable work stoppage three times in his tenure. So, um, <laughs> it, so yeah, so is there something in that you – think could go a long way in the short term or or what or what would be like the like the first step to to get things on track i won't say back on track because this league has been off track for some time so just to literally get on track and then actually have the honor of saying get back on track (laughs) right yeah i mean i think and i I will give the nhl credit for uh, I, i forgot the young lady that they hired uh that does the gifts Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, apologies if she listens to this podcast and is offended. I don't remember her name, but I think that was one of the things. So, when you look at like this sort of uh, social media explosion on behalf of the NBA, um, you know, it sort of coincided perfectly with the rise of, of a guy like Steph Curry, who you don't need to be a expert that knows the thirteenth man on every single roster to sort of be able to look at Steph Curry and understand, hey, that's it hell of a player to watch those like highlights of magical and stuff like that. So I think really embracing social media um, in itself and sort of using that to get a platform out there, really working and coaching on the players to sort of embrace social media as a platform, sort of show more of themselves. I think that's a relatively low cost approach um, to sort of just getting the game out there. Um, I would definitely say having more sort of not sponsorship opportunities, but more opportunity. Like I've literally never heard Austin Matthews speak. Uh, you can have, you can have like, you can have like a the the Mike voice uh, from the Simpsons or whatever, and I wouldn't be surprised at all because I've never heard him say a single word ever uh, in in the history of like me watching uh, his career. Uh, and so you know things like that, I, 
know, I think they made some inroads into it. So, um, you know, one of the stories I told was uh, my dad was watching the uh, the cup final for like 10 minutes and then he got bored. <laughs> uh, but he happened to watch the uh, the first intermission, I think, of game five. And uh, P.K. Subban was up talking with uh, Gary Batman. And my dad was like, Chris, Chris, come in. I'm, I'm trying to plan my wedding oh. with my fiance. He was like breathing down my neck. And uh, he was like, who's this guy? And uh, I was trying to explain to him. He's like, P.K. Subban. He's like, oh, this guy's good. I like him. I was like, yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, we should see more of him and stuff. And so I think those are sort of the low-hanging fruit. Um, the other suggestion I, I gave to the Raw Charge today in the article that was put out was um, – Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, I said that, you know, building a hockey rink or sort of doing hockey is for everyone may be a bridge too far in a lot of communities and stuff. Um, what is not is that most uh, most young people have some sort of game system of some capacity. Um, and what the NHL can do is just offer either free or discounted versions of the NHL video game uh, to people of color, to, to young girls or whatever, and have them grow the game that way. I mean, it's a relatively low-cost thing. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a team affiliation. Uh, kids can learn how to play the game and really learn about the stars. And to me, that's a better bang uh, for, for the buck than a lot of the other initiatives that they're doing. Um, and so I think uh, from that capacity, I think the other thing is just like finding someone else, the other black friend at the party that's not really O'Ree to be able to sort of spread the <laughs> diversity burden around. I think that's the, I, I think, you know, Willie's uh, 82 now and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, probably cannot be at every NHL arena. I'm joining Hockey's for Everyone Month. Uh, like he has been like the past five years. And so I think identifying some other stars to sort of carry the torch for the sport, um, market it and really grow the game. I, I will say that's the one critique I've had of a player like Wayne Gretzky. Um, while I think, you know, he's wildly popular in Canada, I don't think his ability to sort of make inroads, even when he got traded to LA, um, really dented the market all that much outside of like the core hardcore hockey fan. So, um, you know, if guys like him or any other no X stars with a little bit more personality. Um, someone with a little bit more brain cells than Jeremy Roenick. You know, everyone's <laughs> taking that on. Uh, you know, I think that will help grow the game too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I definitely want to make sure that I pointed out that um, if you're listening to this and you go online, if you go to Raw Charge, you're going to see voices of the game. Um, you're going to see Chris Watkins. You're going to see Acharya, <laughs> which is a former and future um, for sure guest. Um, and there is a great article on there that you can, you can read, um, from Chris, but one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, because basically, uh, Chris, like Jay and I, when we were talking earlier, like, we were like, you know, what should we talk about? You know, what should our segments be? <laughs> and one of the things that we were thinking about was the hall of fame because, yeah. you know, um, whatever. And... To be honest, I mean, Martin Brodeur, okay, sure, whatever. Martin St. Louis, whatever. Yeah, cool. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I'm not trying to like... From the long time coming to Yeah, I mean, like, like, exactly. (laughs) I'm not trying to blow my own horn because, like, I mean, this is not, like, me. But, like, because of people like you and, you know, other people in this sport... I was really hoping that Willie O'Ree would was gonna get you know selected for the Hall of Fame, and like, like I'm gonna be honest, like if it wasn't for people like you, if it wasn't for people who were like you know speaking up for him, I really honestly wouldn't really know that much about him, and that really kind of makes me sad, but it's true. So, how do you feel about him being an 
uh, like like a person who's going to be entered into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, sort of as you said, you know, it's a long time coming. So when I went last year um, to the Hockey Hall of Fame, I made a trip to Toronto with my uh, fiance, um, and we went, we checked it out. And it, my fiance has no, um, you know, no sort of connection to hockey. She watches it because I force her to, and uh, <laughs> we go to games every once in a while. But you know, she's not really interested in that. What she is attuned to is uh, she's uh, a, a, a biracial descent. And so what she is attuned to is places where she can tell, like, she doesn't quite belong and, and can, you know, sense the, the temperature of the room. And so when she walked into the Hockey Hall of Fame, she's walking around and she's like, okay, this is cool, this is cool. She, it was way bigger than she thought it was. She was like, so she turns to me, she's like, yeah, everybody looks the same. <laughs> uh, so she's asking me, like, where are where are the women? Where are the black people? Where did anybody else say the sport? Uh, I'm like, oh yeah, the well, here's a here's a banner for Willie O'Ree, and here's uh, <laughs> Grant Fuhrer, and on his Hall of Fame plaque, you know, he's kind of you know interesting looking, and you can't really tell like his descent and stuff like that. And so you know, she was just like really disappointed in, in the fact that there was a lack of diversity in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, and so you know, that to me just sort of spoke to you know, an egregious error just on the part of hockey's history um, that, you know, this wasn't acknowledged beforehand. And I called it out specifically in the same Raw Charge article. I said, um, not necessarily that I was the one leading the charge. There definitely have been people that have been banging that drum well before me. Um, uh, uh, the Color of Hockey uh, blog writer, I think his name is William Davis. Um, he had been obviously uh, bringing attention to it. A lot of other people. But I think the fact that it took a sort of groundswell of support from the players of color in the league, um, from some members of the Boston Bruins organization, um, you know, fans of color and stuff who recognized this egregious error. Um, and it wasn't like the Bob McKenzie's of the world. It wasn't, you know, the, the sort of big names. Obviously, Don Cherry can't be expected to do anything uh, that a normal human being would do. But even the fact that <laughs> you know, sort of, the, sort of the, the largest and most well-known names of hockey weren't pushing for this at every opportunity was very disappointing to me because they'll do the same thing for – you know, their own sort of pet project, um, but not for someone who made such a dynamic and, and long-lasting impact to the game. And so that was uh, concerning to me because I think, although he was, a, <laughs> although uh, uh, Willie was inducted, I, I still think a lot of people still don't get it. And that was the part that was, uh, that still rung out to me, even as the induction was called. Uh, you know, to be honest, I was <laughs> almost in tears, just sort of in happiness and joy when I heard about it. But then thinking about how long it took for him to get there, and the fact that he even admitted that I was just so happy I was alive um, to see this happen, uh, that to me was like, man, if, if Willie would have passed away at any point in time, uh, you know, in the past five years or so, that would have been such a such a black mark on the, uh, no pun intended, on the uh, the legacy of the NHL for not having a man while he could enjoy it. So uh, while I was, like, extremely happy, I also saw the sort of other side of it. There's like, man, I shouldn't have this amount of jubilation for something that should have happened well before you know, I even started watching hockey, you know, 10 years ago. So, so yeah, so I, I sure. felt two ways about it. And I'm, I, I'm really glad you uh, voiced it that way, Chris, because I was a little concerned that people were going to be like, well, he's in now, guess right. you can shut up. And I'm like, mother, mother puss buckets, <laughs> like, really? Like, you can be happy about this, but still make very clear that this is something that should not have taken this long. It should not have in any way been this difficult to do anything because, like, Freaking Jackie Robinson uh, retired, left the game. He was in the Hall of Fame, and the, his number was retired, 
right? That's a universal thing, right? So now we can have a separate discussion about, I think, how baseball has completely rested on its laurels since yes. doing that, thinking that they've done the only greatest, <laughs> like, oh, we did the greatest thing ever. We don't have to do anything socially progressive right. ever again. <laughs> we, we, we had the greatest thing ever. So they really need to pick up their their <laughs> chops on, on that front. Um, but with regards to the, the Willie O'Ree stuff, yeah, it's like I, I'm very happy to go around and tell people, hey, this is fantastic, by the way. <laughs> What did you get lost? Did your ballot get lost in the mail for 60 right. straight years? Right. What's the deal here? And um, so, again, I I will say myself, I don't think I myself being a, like I've been a hockey fan for for most of my life. And I've known a ton about Willie O'Ree and I've always wondered why it took so long, but I, I'm I'm mad at myself. And, and I guess I'm just apologizing because I didn't. There's as much to say that like, hey, because of you and other colleagues and other players, yes, he got in, but it's still the moderate, right? That the silent moderate that could have done more. And I yeah. and I wish I could have said, I, I wish I would have said stuff more often myself because, you know, I, it, I've just been buried in in this whole thing where it's like, you know, what do I, how do you say right. it? What do you say? How do you do everything out there? But having seen this now, I don't, I really don't see any, anything standing in the way of me saying the same thing about, you know, anything else. I mean, so Willie O'Ree is right. the first, right? So let's talk about right. everybody else. Let's get everybody else in. There's no reason to to hold back any of this, of uh, of, the, of the fear of either reprisals or somebody getting called out because it's it's really dumb. It's 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 really absurd that it's taken this long. And yeah. I, I, I certainly want to go. I want to, I want to be in Toronto right. when it, when it happens. I certainly hope that you can go. I certainly hope that, everyone else can go. And, you know, the, the nice thing is it, it, it would have really stunk if it was Brodeur and, and Batman getting in before him, it still stings that they're all going in at the same time, which is like really, really upsetting on, on, on a lot of levels. And I really hoped that they didn't have to like try and, it, it sadly to me at first glance i was like is this an afterthought <laughs> are you really just like oh we're gonna put bro Durham, we're gonna put uh batman and it's like oh they're talking about willie o'ree <sighs> i guess it's time like i really hope that wasn't the case so but again this is phenomenal this is exciting and, and i'm really glad that we have uh this to talk about for for forever now because i think his speech is gonna really knock everything out of the water and I completely agree with what you were saying about Gretzky. It's like, yes, he's the great one, but you know, there's, it's really weird when you see how the great players. And again, like I was talking about the MLB, like they assign a mountain importance of what they've done and feel like they don't have to do anything else. Whereas now everybody is Mm -hmm. able to be like charged with the mission to be not just ambassadors for themselves, but for those that come after them. And, um, it's a really great moment and I'm really glad you, you are able to articulate and speak to it as, as well. And now I'm realizing I'm ranting about it because <laughs> I think this is a good thing. I think we're all fun and happy about it. Um, so that, so that's myself, but again, it was, it was egregious wait time, but now let's talk about something happy, which I will defer to my good compa- my, my good colleague here be with, because again, we spoke to this before we recorded. I think this will be exciting. It's going to probably put us, at least a couple of notches up on the old iTunes listener list. So Pete introduce this next part. 
<laughs> okay. Um, I can already hear Chris, like, not enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to say that when we first recorded this, this is something that Chris had already talked about. So <laughs> I don't feel too bad about it. No, no. Anyway. Okay. So um, when we were first recording this, we were talking about um, – you know, just, uh, you know, hanging out with each other on Twitter. And one of the things that I saw was uh, Chris had mentioned that if he was going to have a podcast, <laughs> which, by the way, which, by the way, Chris does have a podcast, which is called Let's See That Hockey. And it is amazing. So if you don't listen to it, you need to listen to it. You need to subscribe to it. You need to go on iTunes or whatever and subscribe to it. But we were talking about, like, if Chris does a podcast, he was going to basically freestyle rap over a beat <laughs> about how bad, um, I think it was, like, third pair defensemen were. So, here we go. All right. Okay. So now I got to get back in the moment. All right, all right. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, third pair defensive. Third pair defensive. All right, let me let me let the beat come in. Uh, what's the area code for Detroit. Three one three. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Uh, everyone from the three one three. Now put your hands up and follow me. Uh. Now he might play tough, but Danny DeCarter still signed for her five years, and he really sucks. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Uh, the rest, the rest are on my mixtape coming out. Uh. I have some thoughts about Chris Tanner and William Nylander. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cody Cece uh, is a hot new track off of that. No, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we could just talk about uh, Red Wings defenseman, and that would be a whole whole uh, diss song in itself. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, I, so there, yeah. we can't, there's nothing else we can do, Pete. We can't, we can't compete. <laughs> That's, that was perfect. Yeah, <laughs> That's totally this fine. Totally fine. This is peak. You're no, not, you're not no, getting any I better don't, than that. I really don't think so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, oh, oh, that's yo, you, you absolutely. Yeah, you have to have got it. There's no way we. Yeah. I think it's time we start. Okay, every we'll have Chris on every. We'll have Chris on every week, <laughs> and what's going to happen is he's going to do a freestyle, and then we're going to put it on iTunes, and all the proceeds are going to go to. Yeah, and then all the proceeds will start to getting us all to Toronto for the for the induction ceremony. How about that? Or, or <laughs> you know, we could do like the right thing, which is donated to you know Rise or another hockey is for everyone related charity. Which you know, I'm I'm, I'm totally okay with. I'm just I, I I'm sorry if I can't if I sound weird <laughs> and can't form sentences. It's just Chris, you have a gift. You have a gift. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, let me put this out here now while while, while we yeah. sort of transition from the subject. I, I want it because just for how long it took uh, for it took for Willie O'Ree to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, so uh, one of the other more egregious things is Larry King Kwong, who was actually the first person to actually break the color barrier. Willie was the first black player in the NHL, but Larry King Kwong was the first person to color to play. Um, he died, I believe, earlier this year. Um, and, and still, what uh, it still has not been honored with the Hall of Fame uh, induction. Um, the other person, uh, like I said, because it took so long, uh, Harrison Brown, uh, the first uh, openly transgender player um, in professional hockey, uh, I think just retired earlier this year at the age of 25. Sure. Um, this is going to take yeah. another 60 years to, to get uh, Harrison in. Uh, I want to start the 
you know, officially put it out here on this podcast first that we need to get that campaign started now. Also, finally, you know, uh, the NHL literati will will finally uh, come to their senses in like 2050 and, and put Harrison in the Hall of Fame. So uh, just putting it out there now, uh, you all are, will be the pioneers for that. Um, but thinking that's, uh, you know, might as well use a platform for a good cause. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm already I'm already thinking about the t-shirt we need to sell <laughs> to do that full-throated support chris full <laughs> full support from the from my end i don't know about pete he's obviously going to agree after i finish this <laughs> sentence so. <laughs> no so obviously thank you chris um so if you want to follow chris on twitter it's at yolo underscore pinato which i know last time uh, jay had a lot to say about that <laughs> yeah which was that you can't again Pete I'm really glad we're having guests who have been able to find or discover the Twitter handles that will forever be their own and they don't have to worry about adding an asterisk or the right. lowercase right. and uppercase x in order to get it like there are phenomenal usernames out there and Chris just you you continue to inspire me absolutely <laughs> And listen to his podcast, exactly. you jerks. Well, what, why is like like we? Why do we have to be? Why do we have to keep reminding you? Go listen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So his podcast is um, "Let's Do That Hockey," which um, I have that shirt, and unfortunately, a lot of people can't buy that shirt because it was a copyright infringement. Like, obviously, not on, on Chris's end, but uh, oh, yeah. for the people who made the shirt. Um, unfortunately, people from probably NBC, SNL decided that, or or you know, Chance the Rapper. It it's not be. like his entire be. likeness was on the shirt. Oh, wait, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much. So anyway, like I have that shirt, but like it is a fantastic shirt. But anyways, you should li- definitely listen to um, "Let's Do That Hockey." Uh, you should listen to Chris anywhere he has to talk. And he is fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. Always happy to talk, you know, you know, when Zadina finally gets caught up and stuff and uh, the the Hawks are on their deep, you know, 10-year-long playoff drought, uh, definitely will make sure to remember this day of uh, the peak of <laughs> uh, Chris and for sure hockey uh, unity. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be like the last season of Parks and Rec where it's like five <laughs> years later. <laughs> It's the it's the also the civil war from community where it's like ah yes for sure and let's do that hockey used to be friends great <laughs> friends in fact but now they've been embroiled in a ten years war with no side looking to budge <laughs> oh oh dear all right well yeah so let's yeah let's just enjoy this friendship for now guys it's gonna be it's gonna be great yeah it's all war from here man but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was just another fantastic interview with uh, Chris Watkins. Uh, we thank him so much for joining us on this week's episode. And that uh, just about wraps us up, Pete. Um, again, it is the off season, so there isn't so much news to keep us rambling for hours as we're usually able to do. But, uh, you know, we figured the fans could use a respite. It is summer break. We want you to be able to go outside, have some fun. It is sunny outside. And, uh, you know, fight for uh, the rights of your fellow Americans. So that's a good one, too. Yeah, absolute party. Um, So, uh, as usual, if you uh, care to follow more of our zaniness on the regular, uh, you can follow Pete at P. Flynn Hockey. 
Uh, you can follow myself at, at the roar underscore 24. And uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, ideas, uh, old uh, gnocchi recipes or uh, dumpling uh, things that you recently had, I myself just went to P.F. Chang's last night and had some wonderful chicken lettuce wraps. So if you have any good recipes for that, um, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can send that to our uh, podcast account, which is at 200 foot pod. That's at 200 FTPOD. Um, so that's uh, that's our uh, episode uh, for this fine week. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thank you very much for listening and have a great day. Whoa, whoa, Peter, Peter, yeah. you're, for, you're forgetting something. Now, what's weird is. Well, I, well, I was supposed to, you know, uh, as we close these out normally, right? Where we're supposed to end with the Doc Emmerich verb of the week. But, oh, I'm um, sorry. Okay. Really, no, no, no. Don't apologize. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did it this way because I'm actually changing it, which I'm sure will come as a surprise to you, even though I told you exactly what I was going to do when we before we started recording this. So, um, Doc Emmerich is obviously the wordsmith that we all love and know him to be. He is the voice of hockey. Um, and the shtick of this show has been to uh, recite or regale with uh, many of his great verbs. But it is the off season, which means games aren't you know happening until uh, October. So instead of looking up verbs he has said, I am now going to each episode during this wonderful off season find verbs that he should say. Now he may have said one of these at some point, but obviously they didn't make the grand list that I found online. So I apologize if in advance I do happen to find one he's already used, but I still think that it's uh, good practice to uh, still dive into the uh, wonderful and terrible cesspool that is the internet and find a verb that I think would sound good from uh, the mouth that is uh, Doc Emmerich. So after a little bit of searching, I would like to request that Doc Emmerich work delegate into his verbiage. I think uh, he can uh, be very... Uh, precise and um, accurate with uh, saying that uh, verb in uh, any number of uh, classic and uh, normally happening uh, hockey situations. So uh, just something like, ah, he's got along the boards, delegates. You know, I just think that'd be pretty cool to to say along. So uh, yes, delegates is your uh, wishful Doc Emmerich verb. Hope he's listening out there. Love you, pal. And um, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you after John Tavares signs with the Detroit Red Wings. For sure. 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 For sure, for sure, for sure.